Hi, everyone. Welcome to Rise Ministries. You are listening to the Quit Podcast. After listening to today's broadcast, we invite you to send us a bit of feedback at info at ariseministries.net or to follow our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. And you know what? Always, we'd love for you to share our topic, especially today on your social media channels or with your friends or wherever you can. We'd, we'd just love that. I'm Pam Keneally, and today joining me are two uh, former single mothers that know a lot about what they're talking about today. I'm just so thrilled to do this this uh, broadcast today with Mel Hyatt. Hi, Mel. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. Thank and you. Kim Heineke. Hello. I know you girls are just going to make this awesome. <laughs> okay. But I'm super excited for you to hear from Mel today, especially on the topic that every newfound single mom needs to hear. And you're going to find out what that is in a minute. Mel, I wish I would have been around when I was a brand new single mom to have gleaned from the wisdom you're going to give us today, so I'm excited to get this out there. But in fact, today we are talking about um, the obstacles of change as a brand new single mom that you're facing and the transition that you are going through. It's a period of time that you're facing now, perhaps. Um, It's a period of time where there's a passageway that you have to go through and I, I want you to take hold of that through word because it's something you go through just an evolution into something different that's unfamiliar to you it's an adaptation into a new season you've never been before and I don't know about you but it can be scary you know but I want you to know this new transition you're passing through is temporary so that should yay it's temporary mm-hmm. and uh, but there is something for you to learn that's very important for you as you go through this time. And by the way, you can learn it no other season but now. Right. So take hold of it. Friend, this flux you're in right now will not be this way forever. Um, But like I said, there's lessons to learn. So Mel, I want to hear from your experience today as a single mom. I want to hear how God took a brokenhearted single mother and transformed her by his power into a wonderful wife today a mother, a ministry leader, and I might add, a public speaker on one of the largest stages in Oklahoma. It is truly a story to hear. So, Mel, welcome. Thank you. This Thank is... you. You said those nice things exactly like I told you to. I know. <laughs> it's great. I, know, I do. I almost stumbled over those words. You guys, that is so not true. But anyway, Mel, um, I'm excited to hear your story today and to challenge us with some words of truth. So anyway, I'm just going to turn it over to you. And uh, how would you like to start this today? Well, I, I, when you asked me to do this, I sat down and I got my little notepad out and I thought, what did I, 12 years ago when I was going through this, what did I really need or where did I really fail or what would have been great for me to hear? And I started making this list of these mistakes and blunders and, and struggles that I was having. And when the page got full, I thought, this is not healthy for me. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. um, but three of them really stood out and I just sat there looking at them and I thought, what is the core of this? And the core of it was that I was in this moment of chaos and change and everything inside of me was transitioning and I was not handling that well. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to sit in that today and talk about that. Um, As a seven on the Enneagram, I love change. I'm like, let's have some change. Mm -hmm. It energizes me. But when everything is changing and it's out of control, um, it knocked the breath out of me mm-hmm. and it was destroying me. So I want to I want to talk about that. Change is the events happening around me, but transition is the very thing going on inside of me. That's good. Um, and it's it 
transition as a response to this change. So I want to talk about that. And I want to ask you both, um, how do you deal with change? Do you love change? What's your first nature in any moment when change happens? Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. This is Kim. I am not Enneagram 7. Um, I am super black and white. Things have a structure. Things have an order. Change is inconvenient. Change is is just a distraction. And I, I really, really hate it. Really hate it. Well, Kim, tell us how you really feel. Right? <laughs> it makes me it makes me feel panicked. It makes uh-huh. me feel out of control. It makes me feel like, you know, some some situations of change make me feel like I did something wrong, mm-hmm. or or you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? Right? Yes. Um, yeah, change is hard for me, mm-hmm. and I okay. wrestle. I wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. Well, for a lot of people, first of all, I don't care for change particularly either. But a lot of people, at this point, where you as a brand new single mom. And you are entering to this period of change. You're kind of, some of you are shocked and devastated, right. like I was, Kim, Mel. Some of you are kind of relieved. That's I mean, true. you're just kind That's of relieved. True. I mean, like, oh, now I can breathe a little bit. So we're faced change in a different way. But for any of us, as we walk into the unknown, uh, there's an element of fear there, a little bit mm-hmm. of how things going to work out. How am I going to buy for the kids? Are they going to be okay? Which is always your bottom concern. So, so um, I mean, Mel, what transitioned for you in in change? Uh, everything. You know, it would be easier for me to say what what didn't change. Um, the only thing that didn't change when I was going through this was that I was a mom. Yeah. Um, I worked for a church with my husband at the time, so. Um, it was really complicated. We lived in a parsonage, which is a home owned by the church, and it was a part of his salary. So the moment he asked me to leave, I physically had to leave the house. The mm-hmm. house was his, and um, the closest relative was an hour and a half away. So I had to move into a new home, a new address. I had to leave my church, my community, my friends, my relationship status. Everything had changed. And I remember driving away thinking, now I'm just a mom, and I hate that in that moment that was not yeah, I get that. enough for me. Yeah. Um, and that's where it got really complicated mm-hmm. because all of the pain and insecurity and everything that I was going through started to transition, and I was letting it release out of me as this insecurity um, and this meaningless life that I no longer mm-hmm. have, so I clung to my boys. Mm-hmm. And um, they became my whole, my whole world. world, and that sounds mm-hmm. beautiful, in a moment, but it's actually really unhealthy. It was unhealthy for me, and it was really unhealthy for them. Um, I remember this time my oldest son, Aiden, uh, he was maybe six or seven, and he met this highway patrolman at church who was just the coolest guy. His name was John, and he had all these, like, really cool tattoos, and he drove this big, you know, highway patrol yeah. truck, and he said, Aiden, I'll take you for a ride in my patrol car. And he went around the church parking lot, and he turned on the lights and the sirens, and they had the time of their life, and I was so happy for Aiden. Until the next night when we were having dinner, and I said, hey, buddy, if you were stranded on an island, what would you take with you? And he said, well, could I take a person? And I said, absolutely, <laughs> because question. I knew that he was going to say me. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, you can take me. And I said, yeah, you could take a person. Who would it be? And you know what he said? The policeman. He said, John. <laughs> he did not say me. Oh. Um, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I had to get up from the table and go to the bathroom and cry 
because I wanted it to be me so bad right. because they were all that I had. And out mm-hmm. of my clinging and in the moment of that transition, I wanted them to only have me. Right. And that was just really unhealthy for us. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. I get that. That's so that's so understandable. Do you it guys is. ever remember feeling that way, like all you had left was just being a mom? Yeah, you know, I kind of do. Whenever my husband chose to leave me, I had a, a two-year-old. He had just turned two, and then I had a baby who was literally six weeks old. And I do remember feeling like, oh, I'm not anything. I'm all alone, and I have kids. But really, I felt a little differently than you did. As much as I loved my boys, there was a time, there were seasons, these little waves of feelings or whatever that I would think I don't want to be a mom Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it you know like he gets to go and do whatever he wants to do and I'm I I'm embarrassed to say this like I at times felt like I'm stuck Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it you know like all I am is a mom and so it wasn't and I love them Mm -hmm. of course you know but there were just those seasons in my pain and in my hurt and in the middle of change that I thought oh Mm -hmm. this is all I am yes and it what but it wasn't a happy you know, I wasn't thinking, yes, take me to an island. I would have been thinking, please go to an yeah. island. That, that was one, one of my good days. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's clarify that. Okay. Yes. Make everybody feel better. Yes. So yeah. that's really good. So that's awesome. So, um, you know, I, I guess I just felt like during the change when he, when my first husband left me, I was in such shock. I didn't really, couldn't think. I, everything was so topsy-turvy for so long. I'm not sure what I thought. I was just trying to get through day-to-day. Yeah. So... You know, it's change can be hard. Yeah, it um, sure can. Yes. And, you know, that little six-year-old boy is now 17, and if I asked him who would you take on an island, he would name three people that I know that are not me, and I would be happy about that. Right. I'm in a very right. different place now. <laughs> exactly. I've come to this new place where being their mom is my top priority, but mm-hmm. it's not my, my only mm-hmm. priority. And I just – I had to release them. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, that's good. I understand that. So, okay, well, let me um, – uh, ask you a question, Mel. Um, what uh, did it look like for you to release your kids? I mean, you said you released them, but what did that look like? Yeah, for me, it looked like me allowing other safe and incredible people in their lives. And I had to swallow my pride in this and get over my insecurity um, that I was losing that one thing that I had. I had to be okay with being a mom and not being their hero. Um, and I just had to put people in their lives that showed them. I had two boys, so I wanted them to see what a godly man looked like. I wanted them to see healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. So I found a couple that um, was living this out really well. I sort of took all of these people and I painted this picture. And I said, this is what it could look like mm-hmm. for you. And this is who I want you to become. So after I got over myself and I began to accept the pain of the transition, um, I was determined to find people who could pour into my boys. And it has been life-changing for all mm-hmm. of us. That's good. That is so great. Kim, what did, let me just ask you before I want to ask for another question, what it looked like for you to release your kids? I think it was super intentional in my thought life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I actually felt like I released my kids more whenever they were teenagers. Okay. Not as much whenever they were younger, but whenever they were teenagers and I felt helpless to, to control some things. I really just started... I really just started saying, okay, Father, you love them more than me, and you know everything, and so today I'm not going to worry about it. And then I would, like, not worry about it that day. Mm -hmm. But then the next morning I'd wake up in this full-on man sweat panic, and I'd have to do the whole thing over again. Okay, Mm -hmm. God, today I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to let you do your work in them. 
not going to worry about it today. Mm-hmm. I was like making no promises sure, about e- the next day. Exactly. But you know, moms, I, I just want to reach where you are right now as a brand new single mom, um, not knowing what tomorrow holds and your life doesn't feel, maybe your life doesn't feel particularly safe. I don't know. I, I'm not sure my life felt safe because my kids were, you know, their dad was gone like instantly. So there was an element of not feeling safe in our home. But, you know, I want to encourage you moms that in times of change and transition, it's easy to lose direction or feel overwhelmed or feel uncertainty but uh, or fear. But you need a safe place. You need a safe place to begin again. And so, Mel, um, how can moms go about finding a safe place? I or under- safe people even. Yeah, both. I understand that not everyone listening goes to church, but I'm telling you I struck gold That's at good. the church. Um, if you think about it, the church exists because of people who want to voluntarily give of themselves, their money, their time, their talent on behalf of other people. So it is this great place to go if you are looking for a community because that's what the church Mm -hmm. is founded on, this idea of community. And I became very intentional. And this shouldn't be as creepy at a church. If it is, maybe go to a different one. But it's okay (laughs) at a church to go up to someone and say, I really admire you and I would love for my boys to grow up and be like you. I'm wondering, this is what I did. I'm wondering if you would be willing to take them to dinner once a month. Uh-huh. And I asked wow. three different men that, um, and one of them, the night before I approached him, the Lord had told him that this was going to happen. He'd been praying oh, wow. about my boys. Um, and so we had this big moment where I realized, oh, my gosh, the Lord loves my boys more than I do. Yeah. Um, and that was a part of my releasing, too. Um, but it was an incredible place for me to find people. Yeah, and I, had a, I had a similar experience as that the the um, children's minister in our church. I remember asking him one time, is there any way that that like if you need to like if you have a job, is there any way Nick could just come alongside and maybe just help you? That's so great. You know, and so there were a couple of times that he would, I think he had him help him build a fence. He might have been like four, you know. Okay. But I, I remember him saying to me, Kim, asking me to spend time with kids is like asking if I want $100. Mm-hmm. Like oh. he just had a heart for children. And that was not a big deal to him. It was super hard for me to ask because honestly, Please don't call and say, like, would you just spend time with my, you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. that, maybe not my wheelhouse, you know? Not that I don't love children. We maybe. get it. Okay, okay, okay. But for him, it was like, yes, yes. yes exactly. Asking me to do that is asking, like, do I want free money? And I felt so loved. Yes. And I felt like God really had my back on that. Yeah. So church you know, is excellent. You know, Mel, I, I look back at my time as single mom, it never dawned on me to ask somebody to take my kids do this or that I I, you know but they do need uh, mentors outside reinforcing to them what you're teaching them at home and I I'm so impressed that both of y'all did that you know it's just really important I want you to talk to the moms before we move to the next question you mentioned community about the importance of safe place in a community would you explain what that is for moms that are brand new single moms and don't really know what it is and why it's important 
community for me, and, and I wasn't raised in the church, so I went from this place of these words that I didn't understand, and now they are a exactly. part of who I so am. So what does that mean um, for somebody that doesn't know about that? The right church and the right people will offer you a place to be yourself and who you are, and they're going to love you right in the middle of that. Um, and they're going to love you through these seasons, and they're going to show up for you and your children and not expect anything mm-hmm. um, in return. And, and community is all about reciprocity. Like, let me learn from you. And I was learning so much from them, but they were also learning so much mm-hmm. from me as a single mom. Um, so community is just this safe place. And find that place where you can be you and your your kids can be them, and you can trust people to take you can go up to someone you kind of sort of know and mm-hmm. ask them to take your son to dinner once a month, and they do it. Yeah. And my son's 17 now. We started doing this when he was eight, and he still goes to dinner oh, now every Saturday um, with, with one of those guys. And it has been it's been life-changing when I ask him, like, who who's Jesus to you or who's your hero? He says those, those men. And they didn't do anything special other than eating with them. Mm-hmm. They know? just said yes. And that's what community is. Community yeah, says so yes. Good. Community shows up and eats with you. And um, You know, Mel, the more I listen to your story, the more I see, and I know you say, I did so many things wrong. Yeah, you probably did. We all do. But, friend, you did so many things right. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, seriously, things that I never thought of that are so vital. Moms, listen. Do what she's saying. Yes. And, you know, don't expect the first church you go in, if you're not a church goer, to be to offer that to you because it may not. But, you know, just just say, you know, God, I, I do believe in you. I just direct me to where you want me to go. And you may have to try several places before you find a place that embraces the life of a single mom. Absolutely. But they're out there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I want to encourage you in that. That's so I good. Do. So it was my first blunder. Um, I appreciate you saying I did a lot of things right. Um, I have my list that I did not bring of all the things okay, I did wrong. Well, so we're only talking about the things I did right today. <laughs> you um, need to get rid of that. Yes. I know. The second thing Our that... next podcast will be real. We'll <laughs> yes. be real. The second thing that I struggled with uh, was this reminder that I was human. Um, And this sounds funny, but I just, I forgot somehow along all of that pain and in my busyness, because remember, I get busy whenever I'm struggling, um, that I needed space to feel my feelings and to be who I was. I wasn't crying in front of my boys. I wasn't crying at work. And I wasn't crying in front of my family. Um, So I just really didn't have this place to just sit in what I was going through. And I remember this was such a terrible thought. If (laughs) I can just get to a year from now, 365 days, everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. I remember even praying, Lord, just let me get to a year from now. And uh, there was this night where I'd put the boys to bed and I jumped in the shower and I thought, I need to not think, so I'm going to turn on some music. And I looked at my phone and I saw the date and it had been 365 days. Oh, wow. And I remember falling to the floor in my bathroom because it wasn't better. And it wasn't easier. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't better. And it was still messy and painful. And I, it, it was supposed to be different mm-hmm. a year later. And I hadn't given myself any space for grace or to breathe or to forgive or to feel in this whole year. Um, and I just sat there on the bathroom floor, which is the last place that you want to have a breakdown. <laughs> but um, it's where it always happens. It is. And you're so <laughs> vulnerable only, in there. It's your only lonely space. <laughs> or the it closet. Really is, yes. Or the closet. And the shower was going. And I just, I kept repeating this. And I think it was the Lord 
Lord speaking through me to me that I need some grace. I mm-hmm. need some margin. I need I need some grace. I need some grace. I'm just laying there on the floor saying that. And I had just I hadn't given myself any grace. And why do we why do we do that? I don't I don't know why we do that. I don't know if did you ever find yourself in a place like that where you were just it's funny. I mean, maybe we are the same person, but I can remember when the boys were really small and and I had a tendency to to just press forward. Everything's going to be fine. If you believe the right thing, if you do the right thing, everything will be fine. You know, like mm-hmm, just what mm-hmm. you say like maybe this will be fine. It probably wasn't it probably it was probably a couple of years into it. And I remember leaving work one day and just going home to my living room floor. I can remember what I was wearing, yeah. you know, and just getting on my knees and just saying to the Lord, I quit. You mm-hmm. know, like, I cannot try this anymore. This is too hard. All the things I'm doing are not working. I still feel angry. I still feel bitter. And I desperately want you to fix me, you know. And and maybe because I grew up in the church, and so I have heard I've heard all the right things my whole life, but that is one instance where I felt my need for a Savior. Mm. It wasn't about anything I could do. I felt the weight of I am nothing without him. Mm -hmm. You know, I can just remember sitting on the floor, like raising my hands, just crying out to him, you know, and then after he did his little little one-two punch on me, then I got up and went and got my kids from daycare and we went about our business. (laughs) But, you know, it was just a real vivid memory of feeling like, man, I, I need your grace. I quit, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, there's that quiet spirit that says, okay, well, now I can work with you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like right. now I can fix you yeah. since you know that you can't do it all. Yes, I love that. You know what? I, you said something, Mel, that I do want to tell the moms, honestly, um, um, with me looking back on so many seasons in my life, I, and I want to tell you because I wish I would have known this, and it may not be the best news you ever heard, but like Mel thought, in 365 days, she'd be up and going. I just want to tell you what statistics have proven, and I want to say this, whether you're a brand-new single mom because your husband left you, whether you're a brand-new widow, there's a lot of reasons you're a new single mom. But it takes time to heal the first year, you don't know even what you need healing from. You are you don't know. So it takes, I, I don't know, I'm not going to tell you how long exactly, but I can guarantee you it takes longer than a year to work through to know what you even need to be healed from. Mm-hmm. And so don't place expectations about, you know, I know that sounds discouraging, but you need to realize God's got this and he's taking you forward and you will be delivered from it and trusting God have a great story from it, doing your own podcast someday, but you can't rush it. And right. I'm thinking of one book I just want to mention quickly, and that is Dr. Talley's book, Life After Divorce. He goes through the timeline of so many things. So That's I love good. that. Kim, what I love about our stories that are the same but different is that you really were desperate for this grace from God but I was desperate to give myself grace. I was being yeah. so hard on myself. That's true. But 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 what did it look like for you to give yourself grace? Honestly, I gave myself a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> nice. For the first I will never forget this. I told my boys, they looked at me like, What? She's leaving us? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, their their prayers were answered. I convinced this teenage girl that I barely knew, again, community at the church, to come stay with my boys. And you guys might think this is crazy or weird and you can never imagine yourself doing this, but I went to the movies by myself. I saw an adult movie that I wanted to see. 
and then I went to a drive through and I ate what I wanted to eat without people touching me or asking me questions. Right. And I turned on some music that was really sad. <laughs> and, and you I remember just, how oh, many years later? It's been how many years and you still remember oh, that? Oh, gosh, I remember it. I remember what I ate. I'm embarrassed. It was a Mexican pizza from Taco Bell and a Mountain Dew. <laughs> And I just cry, I just sat in the parking lot. Like if anyone saw me, they were calling the police. But I was just crying and feeling my feelings, and I had to turn on this music um, to feel these feelings, you know. And I just, I just had to let myself. Here's your space. Mm-hmm. Here's your space to do what you need to do, but also to feel what you need to feel. That's good. Um, so I just had to, I had to make myself do that. Um, lastly, I, I really, the last thing that I struggled with that was life-changing for me and my boys um, in the middle of this transi- transition. It came down um, to trust and hope. And I don't want to assume that everyone listening uh, reads their Bible or believes in the Bible or even knows what it is, but don't don't turn us off in this moment because I want to share this scripture with you um, that really transformed the way that I looked at my situation. And it's out of um, Mark 5, 21. And, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell this story. And we find a few people in it. Uh, We find Jesus, um, who was getting really popular, and people were following him around, and I'm sure he was just, I mean, Kim and Pam, you know what this is like to be super popular, and people to just, you know, follow you everywhere. (laughs) Yes, Um, they are like four foot tall. Yes, yes. He's he's traveling a lot at this uh, point. We find some very tired and annoyed disciples who are trying to keep Jesus on track. Um, and help him through the crowds. We find uh, this man named Jairus, who was a really important ruler and a father of a very sick 12-year-old girl who was on the verge of death. Um, And then we find a woman who had been bleeding uh, for 12 years. And I just... I think what we often do is we lean in, and it's our nature, especially as women, to attach to this bleeding woman and this courageous, rebellious woman that rushed through the crowd to touch Jesus to get healed. But for a moment, I want us to set in what it might have felt like to be Jairus, to be this man who decided to push all his chips in on Jesus, that you're the one that I need. I need you to come heal my daughter who's dying. And then he rushed through this crowd. I'm imagining it felt kind of like the state fair and you turn around Mm -hmm. and your family's gone Mm -hmm. and he could not find Jesus. Don't you hate when you lose Jesus Mm -hmm. in the middle (laughs) of all of this? His parents even (laughs) lost Jesus at one point. Yes. And so he turns around and he can't find Jesus. And this woman who we all uh, have a lot of sympathy for was Jairus's arch enemy. She distracted Jesus from getting to his daughter. Mm-hmm. And we find um, in this story that eventually Jesus gets there and that he wakes up the little girl and he heals her. Mm-hmm. And the story is important because Jesus shows up. But in the middle of my story, I was Jairus, and I needed him to show up Mm. in that moment right away, or I didn't believe he was coming. That's so good. And and I think we have to remember that he he might have gotten distracted by something else, but he's still still coming. And I'm so thankful that I have a Savior like Jesus in my life that always comes through. Mm -hmm. I do love. Mel, what is one thing you would like moms to hear from this story in Scripture? I wish someone would have told me that he is on his way. Um, You have to hear that, moms. You have to hear that the same Jesus that died on the cross for you, that forgave you of your sins, that healed all of these people who rose from the dead, that Jesus, that Savior, he is on his way to your home to wake up your children. He's on his way. I love that. You know, it reminds me of Deuteronomy 31.8. Moms, you know, if 
if you like scriptures and you want to put one on a post-it note somewhere that would really uh, bless you where you are in this initial new life of a single mom, here's one to write down and plaster it everywhere. It's Deuteronomy 31.8. It says, The Lord himself goes before you. So just like you said, he goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. That's sort of a wrap-up to your story and talking about the obstacles we face and the changes we face and the transitions we face. No, it's not easy, but God's in it, and uh, I encourage you in that. Kim, do you have any last-minute thought or anything or mail you'd like to add to the story? If not, let me just go ahead. It's okay. I'm going to go ahead and close. close. Okay. I just wanted to say that another scripture in Hebrews, it says that Jesus Christ is the same. We read about him doing all these miracles in the New Testament. Oh, that's cool. He did this. He raised people from the dead. That's cool. But what about now? But the Bible says he's the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever that he's the same. You know, this scripture reminds us that whatever else happens, Christ is constant. We're not I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm the most inconsistent, non-constant, if that's a word. But Christ is constant. In fact, he is the only constant you have. He's the only constant you have. You know, in the Bible, the angel of the Lord guided Israel in the wilderness. I'm thinking about the shepherd-inspired David in Psalms 21 and the Messiah whose word stilled the raging sea. This Savior is the one that holds your life today in this transition that you're passing through, and you can trust Him. So with that being said, at Arise Ministries, it is our heart's desire to think of you, to pray for you, to encourage you as you walk through this. And you can always know that Arise Ministries, we love you.